This is Pastor Oetla Simankani thanking you for joining us as we journey through the word of the Lord. Genesis 35 verse 2. Get a read of the foreign gods. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, may you create a moment of change. May you transform us, for this I ask, through the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. After the tragedy that took place in Shechem, Jacob knew that something had to change. They could not go on in the way they were going. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. To change clothes dramatically symbolizes the transition from one state to another. He challenges them to change their garments. In the Old Testament, this is a symbol of transition. You remember, this is what Pharaoh had Joseph do when he entered his service in chapter 41, verse 14. And here Jacob's command to Israel to change clothes likely is where Paul derived the metaphor for the changed life. He says to believers, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4 verse 22 to 24. This is the challenge of today. Put off your old self and put on the new self. This is possible. You can be new. Baptism speaks to this newness. If there's anything that gives me impetus as a minister of the gospel, it is to see people get rid of the old selves and begin a new life and to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, a moment that represents an inner transition, outward expressions of inward realities. I have put away other gods. I worship only the one true God of all creation. I have put away the ways of the devil and the evil one, and I put myself in the camp of God. I shun darkness and I enter the light. This moment... I pray that we would all have transition moments where you put off the old and you put on the new. From Shechem, Jacob and his people would pilgrimate to Bethel as a new people. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had. What foreign gods do you have? Give them away. Burn them. What things are still tying you to the dark forces in this world? I say that cast them away. Let the devil have no claim in your life. And so, 
At last, Jacob was in the place where he was supposed to be worshipping with a heart that was right with God. And God speaks with him, speaks to him, reminding us when he spoke to his grandfather Abraham. We find at least four parallels between God's word to Abraham and God's word to Jacob. First, just as Abraham's original name, uh, exalted father, Abraham, had been changed to Abraham, father of a multitude. Now Jacob uh, has a given name, changed from deceiver to Israel. The name giving symbolized the transformation of the patriarch's character and his destiny. Second, the first use in the Bible of God's name El Shaddai was employed confirming the promise of Abram. And here the name El Shaddai is used again signifying God's power and sovereignty. It describes the God who makes things happen by means of majestic power and might. I pray that El Shaddai may enter your life truly and that he may make things happen. He is the one who fulfills every promise. I pray for El Shaddai today. May he fulfill his promise in your life. The third parallel. The content of the blessing is the same. El Shaddai blessed Jacob in respect of fruitfulness and nation, kings and the land. A nation and, the, and a company of nations shall come from you is the blessing. And kings shall come from your own body. The land that I, give to, that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I give to you. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. This is the same blessing. And the fourth and final parallel to Abraham's experience, the theophany ends with this. God went up from him, just as he had done with Abraham. This chapter, beloved, unfortunately after this great moment, ends with residual issues, sins that remain. You see, while Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and he lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. Now, we've just come in the last chapter from talking about rape. Now, we have another issue. Here is Reuben going to be with his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it. Now, allow me to explain very briefly that this was not an abrupt scene of passion. This is not an abrupt scene of lust. This was a calculated sin. Remember, please, that Israel, Jacob, favored Rachel's children at the expense of the children of Leah, his unloved wife. Reuben is a child of Leah, the unloved wife. And he has seen how Rachel is favored over his mother. At this point, Rachel dies. And after Rachel dies, Reuben does this. What's going on? Let me try and um, find some possible reasons for Reuben's actions. Reuben sensed that with Rachel's death, his servant Bilhah may become, her servant, Rachel's servant, Bilhah, may become Jacob's favorite over his mother Leah. So Reuben then seduced her to ensure that she could not rival Leah's position, that she would not rival his mother's position. The result of Reuben's liaison with Bilhah was that she was accorded the status of living widowhood. 
just as happened with David's concubines when his own son, David's son, Absalom, defiled David's concubine. So the status of Bilhah changes because of his act, exactly what he wanted. Other stories later in the Old Testament help us to understand and get insights into this act. Why it may also be a claim of authority over his father's inheritance. You see, Near Eastern culture at that time and custom held that the possession of the concubines of a man's father validated succession. And so, when a son um, took a concubine, it validated succession. That's why Saul's son, Ishbosheth, was incensed when Abner seduced his father's concubines. And that is why Abner had to defend his loyalty, 2 Samuel 3, verse 7 and 8. This is also why Absalom took his father's concubines. It was a claim over inheritance, a claim over succession, validated succession. Reuben's sin, therefore, was concerned, one, with his mother's position in the family, but also with himself. It was wrenching power from his father just as David's son later tried to do. But, beloved, it was not to be. First Chronicles 5 verse 1 says of Reuben, For he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. Again, the lesson is repeated. Attempts to possess the birthright and blessing in a manner outside of the will of God and using one's own wisdom and power are bound to fail. There is a lesson here for you and for me. That sometimes we simply ought to trust God. Reuben was the one who should have received the birthright. But by trying to maneuver and his uh, evilness in trying to capture that which was already his results in his downfall. He does not end up getting that which he was fighting to get. This is the story of sin. This is the story of the devil. There was no need for this maneuvering by Reuben because the birthright was already his. I remember when the devil speaks to our first parents. He says, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. But beloved, were they not made in the image of God? Sin is a very tricky thing. Because what it often does, it takes away the patience for something that is rightfully ours. And in impatience, we try to claim now something that God himself has offered. Sin is very cunning. Because it offers you one thing, but then in the end it deprives you of that thing, only for you to learn that God had it for you to take. It was yours and rightfully yours. God had written your name on it. There are so many people today. You enter into an interview and you do not know that God has already written your name, given you favor. But you now start maneuvering and you put degrees that you don't, you don't have onto that thing only for you to be caught out and for you to be deprived of the thing that was already yours. If we could only trust that God has our best interests at heart, 
And in trusting Him, we would be able to be patient. If you are not where you ought to be, or you feel that today you are not where you ought to be, I say, be patient. Impatience has destroyed too many young people, too many men, too many women. Impatience has destroyed too many futures. And here we see Reuben wanting to claim a birthright and to wrench power from his father before it is time. And in the end, he does not take that which was already his. Let us close our eyes as we pray. Father in heaven, give us wisdom, but above all, give us patience. For you've blessed us. You've made us in your image. You've given us promises. You've given us a great destiny that we can claim by faith. Help us to be honest and truthful. And help us, Lord, not to deprive ourselves of that which is rightfully ours simply because of impatience. And I pray that each and every day we rise, help us to do our faithful part until we can be able to possess in our hands the things that you promised. For we believe and we trust you in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.